Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now, Jeffrey Markin. He is a jazz singer. He is a stand-up comedian, best-selling author, and I'm sure the list goes on and on. I mean, what hasn't this guy done? <laughs> How you doing, Jeffrey? So happy to be here with you. I'm so glad to have you. I know um, I've seen that you were uh, going to be doing an interview with Greg Gilbert from Python's Paradise, and uh, you were interviewing him for his birthday. And uh, I was like, you know what? That's really cool. I would love to have Jeffrey on my show. And that's when I reached out to you. And here we are. Yeah, I, I love here Greg. I, I've been on his show, gosh, eight or nine times now. Nice. And uh, for his birthday, I interviewed him. Yep, that's that's amazing because he's a great guy. I've been on a show like six times at least. Uh, we do it usually every January. I'm on a show, and uh, yeah, he's a he's a great guy. And uh, I mean, he put me in touch with so many people. I put him in touch with some people, and I mean, we became friends for years now. And I mean, I'm glad I met a lot of you know a lot of guests through him, including you. So that's really exciting. You're gonna forgive. I have a little bit of a black eye. Okay, right here. I couldn't, I didn't want to cover it up with makeup because I wanted to heal. I don't know how I got it. I woke up with it one day, like three or four days ago, just Ooh. what's that? And here Ooh. we are. Oh yeah. I, I, I always get like black and blue somewhere. And I'm like, how did that happen? Like, where did that come from? Well, happily it's, it's not infected or anything. Just, I look like somebody gave me a nice buff on the, Buffing the buffing the uh, left eye. Oh, oh. ooh, that, that does it hurt? Uh, a little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I mean, I I get so many mysterious black and blues. It's like, where did they come from? Like, I don't remember bumping that or hitting that. But anyway. but our friends out there don't care about this. So exactly, <laughs> let's let's talk about something they do care about. Yes, and that is about you. How did you get become a jazz singer? How did this all start? Uh, jazz singing in particular or my career, your career. Uh, well, gosh, I was a precocious little kid. <laughs> I was put on the stage when I was four at the Garrison beach day camp in Brooklyn, New York. And of course, you know, all, all of the counselors want money from the parents. Mm -hmm. So they put on these little shows and put their little darlings in the shows and the, the parents give them extra money for doing, I guess. Right. And they drew in those days a little mustache on my little face mm -hmm. and put a beret on me and had me sing Dite Moi from South Pacific. Nice. And, and once I did it once, I wanted to do it forever. Nice. So that's where it starts. Nice. And now you're still doing it and you have a real mustache. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. Aha. <laughs> well you also got you know you're also a writer and a stand-up comedian so how did that all come about how did you get into those i think one thing leads into another mm -hmm. uh, i got started professionally doing uh, musicals and plays mm -hmm. in on the stage i got started at the colony seven dinner theater just outside of washington dc mm -hmm. uh, doing little abner i was mayor dog meat mm -hmm. i was 15 years old coming from a not so happy home mm -hmm. and a dear friend dragged me to an audition. I, it wasn't a bunch of kids 
this was professional dinner theater. They had no idea how old I was. Right. I sang in this voice I didn't know I had, and I got cast. Nice. The, the next year I made my first movie, Fighting Mad with Peter Fonda. The next mm-hmm. year I did my first off-Broadway show. The next year I was in nightclubs singing jazz and doing comedy. So I, I, I just had so much ambition. Nice. And uh, I was on my own because I was kicked out at 15. Oh, so wow. I had to make a living. I had mm-hmm. no one telling me what I couldn't do. And no one telling me that even in show business, oh, you'll never get anywhere. Mm-hmm. So since no one told me I couldn't, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's a long answer to your short question. No, but it, it's, it's true. Like, I mean, it can go either way. Either people are telling you you're never going to get anywhere and you're going to give up. Or people are going to tell you uh, that you're, that you, you know, you're not going to go anywhere and you're going to try to do it. Um, Lucy, Lucille, Ball, Lucille Ball once told me, if you want to be in show business, all you're going to hear is failure talk from your teachers, from your parents, from your friends, because nobody believes that somebody they know is going to become a star or a success or make a lot of money or be, become famous in any way. So all you're going to hear is a negative. She said, you have to, you have to have faith in yourself. Yeah. Somebody has to get that job whatever that job is it might as well be you Mm -hmm. and that's how i chose to look at it that uh i had nothing to lose everything to gain Mm -hmm. and uh i guess i have talent because it was being recognized almost immediately absolutely absolutely and the thing is like um if you like as you know auditioning you know there's the chances of getting a job are, are slim because there's so many people auditioning and you you're going to get a thousand no's before you get a yes but as you mentioned there's gonna there's always that somebody has to do that job and if it's not going to be you who's to say the next one's not going to be you there's always that opportunity you know there's always there's, there's hundreds of roles out there and if that means now with the independent industry really becoming big you know that's where people can also shine as well if they need to you don't have to go but, right. But, but it was the same thing about you asked how I went from one to another. Yeah. Nobody, nobody told me that at 17, I couldn't put my own nightclub back yeah. together. Yeah. Nobody told me you can't do jazz singing and stand up mm-hmm. comedy in the same act. So I did it. Right. I did both at the same time because mm-hmm. nobody said I couldn't. Yeah. I was never afraid of knocking on a door. I was never afraid of saying, here I am. How about me? Yeah. And I'm very, I'm a luckiest son of a gun on the planet mm-hmm. in, in that more often than not, when I say I'm here, they say, great, come in. Right. Of course I get, I don't get everything I go after. Exactly. I don't get, but every book I have sent to a publisher eventually has gotten published. Yeah. And uh, I think with acting roles, the same percentage as everybody else has. Yeah. That's probably why I do more singing and comedy and writing than acting because I don't have to wait for somebody else to cast me. I yeah. can get into the project and I, I, I'm sitting here at my desk right now. My desk is full. I've got three books I'm working on, a record album I'm going to be, I'm going to be producing and performing in. I have a pilot script for a television series I'm working on. 
uh, my next, whatever my next little tour of singing is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then shows like yours, I'm on all the time. I'm on yeah. today alone as we are talking. I'll be speaking with you. I'll be speaking with somebody else later today. Mm-hmm. I'm recording two shows of my own. Nice. Jeffrey Mark plays Ella. And I have two auditions I have to record nice. all today. So yeah. how lucky am I that I get to right. do all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, um, you didn't have anybody to tell you no. And you also mentioned that, you know, you, because of that reason, you got into it. So if there's somebody out there that is looking to be a stand-up comedian or to be a writer or an actor or get into show business and they don't know where to start or they need advice to get, to get their foot in the door, what would that advice be? Start right where you are, wherever you happen to live, any part of, I don't know how far your show reaches, any part of North America or anywhere on this planet you happen to be where you're watching mm-hmm. this, wherever you are, there's usually some sort of community theater nearby where you are. There is probably some sort of a nightclub that does comedy or does music. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you do best. Figure out where your talent really is. That's the first problem. I, I think every human being on the planet has a talent. Yeah. I think God gives everybody stuff. Now, right. it may be a talent for cooking, or it may be a talent for repairing cars or hitting baseballs or looking great naked, you know, but you have some <laughs> sort of talent. Yeah. And the first thing to do is, you know, embrace that. Hold yeah. you on. Oh, I got this. Lucky me and yeah. be grateful for it and then do something with it. But if we're talking about the performing arts, particularly figure out what your talent is telling you to do. And I know that Jeff, how do you do that? Get together with a pianist, spend a little money, hire somebody for 90 minutes and just have them play songs and sing and see where your voice lies and what notes sound good to you what what kind of music is calling you if you're a comedian start writing jokes go go watch all we we are so fortunate these days to have so many sources of news and opinions yeah well spend a day looking at all that stuff and then what makes you laugh where is one of the i love lucy writers said think crooked take something that's straight at you and tilt it and make fun of it yeah and if it makes you laugh it'll probably make other people laugh yeah and then you have to figure out that's the writing part the performing part is everybody has to have a comedy point of view a comedic point of view who are you on stage you can't just be you there has to be a character. There has to be something you've uh, come up with that makes you stand out from the crowd. Yeah. In other words, if you're telling jokes that just anybody could tell, nobody's going to care about you. You want to tell jokes that only you can tell. Yeah. Can I give you an example? Go ahead. Absolutely. So when I was getting started in stand-up, I did my first cabaret show I guess I was professional one, 17. Okay. 
well, you know, what kind of comedy do you do at 17? I did not want to go up there and be something I wasn't. I didn't want to do girlfriend jokes or men versus women jokes because that's not what my life is about. So I thought, well, I, I really, I need to go up there and be 17. Yeah. So you and audience need to have a piece of information. You're probably too young to know to make the joke work. Mm-hmm. Back in the 1970s, there was a company called Playtex. Okay. Playtex made living bras, living girdles, and living gloves to wash dishes with. Okay. And those commercials were on night and day. So it was a point of information everybody had. Right. So this is the first joke I wrote for myself, more or less of joke. It's been a long time. Okay. I told the audience I'm 17. I don't really have a father, but now that I'm, you know, appearing in nightclubs and becoming a man about town, my mother is concerned for me. And she keeps telling me I need to have um, protection, protection. Hmm. Well, well, I finally kind of sort of figured out what she meant. And I cut off all the fingers of her Playtex living glove. It didn't help my sex life any, but I became the first kid on the block with dishpan penis. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. See, people thought the joke was over at cutting off the fingers and I get a little laugh. And then the dishpan penis thing was the topper. of it, And that, that's, that's how I started, that I could talk about sexual things, but I never use the swear words. I, right. I use the real grown-up words right. that we use when we're discussing these kinds of things. And then eventually, I don't, I don't, I hope I'm not offending anyone out there, but I'm gay. And mm-hmm. I saw no reason not to be on stage. I, I didn't want to be a professional homosexual. Right. I wanted to have a comedic point of view. Mm-hmm. I might have been the first openly gay male stand-up guy. No. Not, right. not entirely sure. There, there's, a, there's a few of us who yeah. think we were first and there's, there's no way of telling. Yeah. But I started doing stand-up in 1977 yeah and i don't know that anyone precedes that as far as that you know as, as a teenager mm-hmm. um there are several of us eddie murphy was one also who got started as teenagers yeah and you, you gotta have courage and you gotta have just just burning burning yeah. ambition yeah. because your competition is huge absolutely i just burned better than others yeah Absolutely. And it's, I mean, I, I mean, I've gotten a lot of just even from my show alone from a lot of people praise not using my sexuality as a forefront to bring the podcast to live and use that as a, as a jumping board. So doing that is, is like, it's respectable. You know what I mean? Like if you, you see like, for example, Kevin James, he does the fat jokes all the time because he's fat. And it's like, okay, that's fine and dandy and they, they are funny, but when do they become too much? Because, because you know what I mean? Like kind of get out of your box a little bit too 
And you know what I mean? Like, what do you, what do you recommend about getting out of your box? Like how, how do you recommend that? And if so, how do people do that comfortably? There, there's nothing wrong with having an image, right? Um, my, my image has become through the years, mm-hmm. all of the sparkly sequin, sparkly right. stuff. And I didn't put any jewelry for this, but usually I have <laughs> stuff on right now. If, if, if I wasn't, as we used to say on the air with you right now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be wearing this stuff. It's it's, this is right. my Jeffrey Mark drag, right? There's nothing. I, I think everybody who wants a professional career has to have mm-hmm. not, if not a character, you have to have a recognizable brand. If that makes sense to those folks out there. That, mm-hmm. Oh, that guy. Even if they don't know your name. Oh, you. <laughs> I was having lunch a couple of months ago with Wink Martindale, the very, very famous game show host and his wife. And we were in a very fancy restaurant out here in Palm Springs, probably the most expensive one. And there had been, a, I guess, a group of people in the back having a private meal. Mm-hmm. And they came out. And when they re- saw us sitting there, one by one, they came over and fawning over Wink because everybody grew up with him. It was, it was like Wink Martindale and pointing to me. Oh, and you're here. Meaning they didn't quite remember my name, but they knew who right. I was. Right. So that's that's who I am. I'm your here. <laughs> but um, because I am recognizable. Yeah. A good comedian has more than one hook. You can't have an entire career just out of fat jokes yeah um the people who have done it uh toady fields uh, fat jack leonard mm-hmm. they honed it to a science but they also had other things in their act just yeah. like rodney dangerfield wasn't only about not getting respect he had other things in his act too so i think it's good to have a brand it's good to have something people recognize but you can't do the same jokes forever because eventually your audience will have heard them all. Bless her heart. Maybe the hardest working stand-up in the period where I've been alive was Joan Rivers. Okay. I I saw Joan work a lot and yeah, she had set pieces, but there was always something new. And sometimes you'd go to see her and you'd go to see her again the next year and she didn't repeat one thing from last time. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald is a jazz singer. She wouldn't have an act. She would sing whatever she felt like singing that evening. And to that end, she had over 300 arrangements in her book ready for her, for her to pull from, to right. do what she felt that evening. Right. I admire that. And I do the same thing. I don't have one set of songs when I sing. I do what I feel like doing out of what I have. Yeah. So you cannot be a one trick pony. Yeah. Exactly. And last long. Now a five year career. Yeah. You can have one set of stuff, sing one set of songs, mm-hmm. uh, do one set of very good jokes or get on a sitcom mm-hmm. and be a character actor for five years. Yeah. But if you want a long career, you have to be versatile. I mean, I sing, I used to dance. I don't dance. Don't ask me. I used to dance. 
but I did plays, I did music, you know, yeah. people make people make fun when I say I wear many hats in show business. I'm a talk show host, I'm a radio host. Because if one isn't paying, the other one will. Or if I get bored with one, yeah. I won't be bored with the other. Even my coffee, I use different brands. Yeah. I don't want to be bored in my life. And I, don't, I never, yeah. ever want to bore anybody else. And I said that with my eyes as wide apart as I can with a black eye. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, uh, I mean, we get one life. We get one chance at this, this journey we call life. Make it as fabulous. Make it as fun and make it as interesting as you can. Like, so for instance, where did you come up with Slasher, Scotty? So, and that, that, that's actually a beautiful question. You might know the answer to this, but um, I started it because I am a big 80s horror movie fan, friend of the 13th, Halloween, all that. And I wanted to just interview them people. That was it. I just wanted to interview the friend of the 13th, Halloween, people that I watched growing up. And that was it. And I started I have, because I have, about the, I yeah. have held Chucky in my hands. Yeah, right? So, Seriously. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted to do, like just interview those people. And I started with when I had my first interview with Greg Gilbert, he gave me I got the idea of interviewing people through him when he interviewed me. And then I just wanted to interview these people that I grew up watching. And I thought to myself, you know what? It's great interviewing them people, but I'm going to interview them people. I'm going to get as many as I possibly can. And then I'm either going to have to re-interview them or not interview anybody else at all, because eventually I'm going to run out. Either they're gonna, either they're not gonna want to do the interview. I'm gonna already have interviewed them and be, you know, talking about a lot of the same stuff, or I'm go or they passed away because the movies were in the '80s and a lot of them are older. So eventually, I'm gonna run out of people. So I'm like, I need to expand. So I went into other horror movies. Then I went into soap operas like Days of Our Lives and professional wrestlers because I'm a wrestling fan, and I went into musicians and authors. You know, and, I know. have several friends from Days of Our Lives. And uh, several friends who were professional wrestlers back in the olden days, in because I'm from New York originally. Yeah. The <laughs> well, this is a topic you probably weren't expecting. The uh, professional wrestlers, when they hit New York, mm -hmm. went to the same gym the gay porn performers did. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't um, know that. So I used to hang out at that gym nice. and I got to be friendly with both sets of people. The mm -hmm. wrestlers were so happy to have somebody who didn't expect them to be their public persona mm -hmm. because they're actors basically right. who are in good shape, yeah. who are athletes, but sports entertainers, basically they're more like dancers than they are athletes. Yeah. And, and the, the uh, gay porn guys were happy to have someone who wanted to talk with them have mm -hmm. dinner with them yeah so and then some of them were the same people some of the wrestlers actually did gay porn <laughs> and um yeah I, I got jiggy with a couple of them but more <laughs> importantly i got to know them as people but yeah, yeah and then uh, i've got one very close friend wesley you're from days of our lives who played michael horton on that show for many nice. years um Interviewing is an art and so is being a guest. Yeah. You know, I, I, I must do, I don't think I'm exaggerating a hundred of these shows a year, mm -hmm. more or less. Yeah. So it's been thousands through the years. Yeah. 
sometimes you get hosts who have done some homework. They know who you are. Mm-hmm. They know what you've done. And they, they try to ask, not just intelligent questions, but interesting questions. Yeah. And then you're on shows with people who have read what my publicist has given them as a press release. Mm-hmm. That's all they know. Yeah. That's all the work they've done. Mm-hmm. And that's usually when I take over. Yeah. I let them ask a question. So what's it like being Jeffrey Mark? I go, oh, here we go. And I just <laughs> very subtly take over the show and don't let them speak again until the show is over. Right. I just, I ask myself the questions. I give them the answers. I make them laugh mm-hmm. because I always want to entertain. See, I'm happy to be with you, you handsome devil, but mm-hmm. I am concerned with the folks watching us. Yes. And those are the people I want to entertain you and maybe right. give you some good information and Absolutely. let you know a little bit about who I am. But uh, so it's, a, it's an art both ways. And then there are people yeah. when I have been the host, you ask them a question and, and it's like they didn't hear you. They've got stock answers. They've got. Mm-hmm. And that's all they're going to talk about. Yeah. Absolutely. Ethel Merman was like that. No matter what show she was on or who asked the questions, she had five or six stock answers. And they were word for word like she had learned a script. Rarely was she spontaneous in giving people real, Mm -hmm. real answers. Yeah. It's really crazy. I had uh, Teo Pendulous and uh, Andre Tony DeMera from... uh, these are our lives. I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago or so, and he he was a great guest. And uh, he he gave he even gave me storylines that he did because I I mean I've been watching Day since '95, but he's been on you know for a while a long while, and uh, he he mentioned storylines that I couldn't even I, I didn't remember because like you know a, a huge history of what he's done, and I'm like wow I forgot about that storyline I totally forgot about that. Yeah. It's a shame what's happening to Days of Our Lives. It is. You know, it's for those of you who don't know, Days of Our Lives is a soap opera that's been on NBC daytime television since 1965. Mm-hmm. And it is going off of NBC and on to um, mm-hmm. Peacock. Peacock. Yep. My idea for Days, because it is so convoluted. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. So we're, we're going to geek out now for about two minutes, guys. So let us geek out. If you don't <laughs> like days, I promise we're going to change the subject. If you like days, geek out with us. Right. So the original days of our lives was about Dr. Horton and his wife, their children and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. That's all days was about. Yeah. When it expanded to an hour, they brought in another family, the Brady family, to give them more characters mm-hmm. to fill an hour. Yeah. Well, what Days has always done is so-and-so is a child, then about six months later, they're a teenager. So then, about a, then about a year <laughs> later, they're 17. Yeah. And they start having romances and making babies. Yeah. And, and just so everybody knows, that is called Soren's soap opera rapid aging syndrome or something like that. So what happened is Francis, the woman who played the matriarch, yep, before she passed away, was a great, 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 great grandmother on the show. If you were catching this stuff and today 
young fans who have only been watching the last five or 10 years, they don't even know who the Hortons really are or why the Brady's are involved with the Hortons or I think they should wipe the slate clean and start over again. I think we need to go back to day one with Dr. and Mrs. Horton, get some of the beloved actors who are currently in the show to play the original characters. And I think that way you don't have to worry about new viewers figuring out how everyone is related to everyone else and because it, it almost doesn't make sense anymore. Right. And I will let you know, um, and a lot of the new viewers that are watching days, they can go back now to the very beginning because when Peacock, uh, when uh, uh, days is off NBC and on Peacock and it's the paying platform now, they're going to have every single episode from 1965 onward airing. Well, I might have to pay for that then. I started watching. I, yeah. I started watching Days in '74 when I went to college. Yep. And uh, boy, was I hooked! And I was hooked by Wesley yeah. York and yeah. Susan Seaford Hayes, who has become a friend. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I know Bill and Susan, and I know I know several of the people through the years who have been. I would love to have them on my show. I love uh, Bill and Susan. Oh my God! I interviewed Nancy McLaughlin, and she said she went to Bible school with them. Uh, we had books coming out at the same time a few years ago, and I was happy to be on a publicity tour with them. What lovely, lovely nice. people. That's awesome. Talented, That's- and they're just as nice as you would hope they would be, as, nice. as is Wes. Wesley is a very, very dear, close friend of mine. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's lovely when you meet people who are that talented yeah. who really are as nice as they seem. Not everybody yeah. is, right. but, a lot of the, but a lot of, I'll say us, a lot of us are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that, like, and this is how strange Days of Our Lives is, but I first got into the show because I was homesick from school. I probably really wasn't sick. I don't remember, but I probably was faking it. Um, <laughs> but I was, uh, I was home from school. And my mom was watching Days. It was like one o'clock or whatever afternoon. And I came down from my room and, that's my mom. She's watching those days, and I'm looking at just looking at the TV, just seeing what it was. And the first thing I see is Marlena, and she turns into a panther because <laughs> she was possessed by the devil for the first time. <laughs> so that's that's what got me there. But I, I, I my favorite storyline, a lot of people hated this, was the Salem Stalker because which, which time the 2003 2004 when they all they ended did up alive it. on Mel Osawin. They did it four times before yep. that. Yep. Salem Strangler, I remember. I don't remember watching it, but I, I, I read all about that. Salem Slasher. Oh, Slasher, yep. So, yeah, they, they, Dave's has revisited the same storylines over and over yeah. again. And yeah. You uh, know when they're running out of material, when they do the Devil Possession storyline 20 years later, you know, <laughs> to the same person. and then But this time the devil can body jump. So. Or 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 when people are getting pregnant a lot because yes. they got nothing else to write about. That's why that's why I'm saying yeah. I, I there's nothing wrong with going back to the beginning and reimagining things. Yeah. There's you know there's there's almost sixty years of scripts there. Yeah, they don't have to keep coming up with brand new things. Right. They can go back and anyway, that's not going to happen obviously. But yeah. that's my wish for days because I believe days was the best soap opera ever. 
Yeah. And um, the only one that I cared enough about to watch, I haven't seen it in years. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll look at it yeah. and I'll recognize a character or two. And then I, then I'm trying to figure out who are all these young people right. who's, whose child or grandchild or great grandchild or great great grandchild right <laughs> yeah but if you do have uh, xfinity comcast peacock is free so you can check if you are a day span and don't remember all the past storylines or you would like to revisit a past storyline they will be available um on and xfinity comcast does pay uh include the paid package uh, the version with ads, not with the one without. But yeah, you can check that out. Okay, enough. You know, they they should Sony should give us money for this because exactly right. <laughs> we're giving them this huge commercial, and we're getting nothing out of it. So right. So do you write your own music though for being a jazz when you do your jazz songs? You don't write your own. I I will occasionally write lyrics. I've written some songs where I've written the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I don't write melodies. Uh, I've never tried to, let's put it that way. Okay. So since I've never tried to, that tells me my talent is not calling me to do mm-hmm. that. Okay. Um, I sing what Ella Fitzgerald named the great American songbook. Okay. Ella Fitzgerald, probably not probably absolutely the greatest jazz singer who ever lived. Mm-hmm. And her manager, Norman Grants felt she wasn't getting her due. She was very well known. But she was well known for a tisket a tasket and for scat singing. She hadn't had big hits with great songs. Okay. So uh, he he eventually bought her contract away from Decca. Decca mm-hmm. Records had been her record label for twenty years. Okay. And got the idea to have her sing. And the album was called Ella Fitzgerald Sings the Cole Porter Songbook. Okay. In those days, a two LP set. Okay. Well, it changed her entire career and her entire life because she didn't, she served the songs well. Mm-hmm. She didn't take them and just use them as a, a, a vehicle for jazz singing. She took her talent and infused it with the songs. Well, then it was Ella, Ella sings the Rogers and Hart songbook and Ella sings the Duke Ellington songbook and the Irving Berlin and the Harold Arlen. And her last one was the Antonio Carlos Jobim songbook mm-hmm. in the 70s, late 70s. Uh, so this entire concept that my, my friend Michael Feinstein has of the great American songbook really was, it started with Ella. And uh, that's what I do. I, I, I go back and I do those songs that speak to my talent that speak to my heart and hopefully you guys out there like them absolutely um and i i as we mentioned you also have books out so what books do you have out what are they about and where can they be bought well buy them from me i'll make more money that way Uh, i have (laughs) i have two books i've written about ella fitzgerald nice uh, the latest one was just, you know, Ella. Mm-hmm. I've written Ethel Merman, the biggest okay. star on Broadway. Okay. Now, you guys out there who like show business insider stories, that one, just the story about her 48-hour marriage to Ernest Borgnine is worth the price of the book. Wow. 
So uh, there, there is that. And then the one I think has maybe the most famous as a writer is the Lucy book. Okay. Lucy book came out about 20 years ago. It's a compendium of every time Miss Ball appeared on television from early live television uh, until her death with interviews with hundreds and hundreds of people. It's everything. Uh, game shows, talk shows, variety shows, her shows. And coming out next year is the new Lucy book. And that has new interviews with people like Carol Burnett and Anne Margaret and Rich Little. And I'm adding in all the radio shows I can find and all the films. So it'll, it'll be her entire career nice. in the same format with a new forward by Fran Drescher. Awesome. That's amazing. I love Fran Drescher. Oh my God. Yeah, The, the original nice. book had forwards by uh, Steve Allen. Nice. And Lucy Arnaz and Desi Arnaz Jr. They're, they're still going to be there, but right. for the new book. So it's not just the same book updated. It's this, it's, it's a, I'm taking the best of what was there and greatly making it larger. Yeah. So it's going to be a great big coffee table sized book nice. just to fit all this in. Awesome. And, and we're going to have hundreds of pictures in it. So uh, Lucy fans, I promise you're going to like it. And it's authorized by her estate, which is even better. And that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I'm an amazing man. That's why you have me here. I know, right? And Lucille Ball's such a talent. I mean, just a talent. Like, well, I don't I, know her I, as a person, but I, I, I know her from her acting ability alone. And she is so talented i don't speak to miss ball's personal life in public ever right uh there have been plenty of terrible books written about her personal life uh that's why i wrote the lucy book originally it's like we don't love her because of her personal life we love her because of her work yeah so although i've gleaned a lot of information about her personal life i have and i'm not bragging i have literally turned down a half a million dollars to write what I know about the Arnaz family. It's wow. never going to happen. Right. Why in the world would I bite the hand of such lovely people? Yeah. Miss Ball was good to me. Lucy Arnaz is this incredible earth mother of a person mm -hmm. who is wise and loving and nurturing. I adore yeah. her. She's been so good to me. Desti Jr. has been so good to me. Uh, yeah. The children, their children have been so good to me. Yeah. Why in the world would I want to do anything right. that would harm them? Right. And if you can, and if anybody watching this can prove to me that you can find one person that doesn't have some type of history in their personal life, I'll, I'll take out a loan of a million dollars and give it to you because <laughs> you can't find so, it. Scotty, Scotty, when I do live shows, and I do, I do Q&A also. Mm-hmm inevitably I'm asked about her. Is it really true? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I ask is why do you need to know that? Right. Absolutely. And the answer I give, and I'll keep giving it till I stop asking, mm -hmm. go into your neighborhood, knock on any door, immediately inject them with truth serum, sit them down and ask them about their romantic sexual and family history mm -hmm. and you're going to get the same stories you would hear about these people except there won't be as many famous names involved yeah i think the only part of 
of recounting the whole Ball Arnez family. Mm. Where it's really interesting is, is the Arnez family's escape from Cuba with the yeah. Batista revolution. It's a fascinating story yeah. of, of loss and overcoming incredible odds to not yeah. only just survive, but you know, here, here is somebody who I, I call him the Prince of Cuba. He was, he was really being groomed to be the next big guy there mm-hmm. who ends up living in a warehouse with rats in Miami. And from there, ends up being one of the most famous human beings on the planet. Uh, the executive producer and co-star of one of the, the most famous television shows ever and the owner of the biggest movie studio in the world. Wow. That, that trajectory fascinates me. Yeah. But who any of these people slept with or what their personal problems were or why right. they would argue or not, I, I don't care. Right. And, uh, and that's why, like when you, even when you were talking about Lucille Ball, the thought of asking about her personal life never came to my, came to my mind to ask because it's not my business. It's not the viewer's business. It's literally, it's not, it's nobody's business. Like everybody makes, everybody either makes mistakes or they have a past or they have a personal life. And what they do in their personal life is their own private business. I know I'm asked about my sex life publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it I've chosen, you know, people know that I had a partner named Joel Kabik and mm-hmm. that we never lived together, but we were together since I was 13. They know he died three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've let it be known that I had a little bit of a little bit of a, I don't know what you'd call it with Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. That we, we, we spent some lovely time together alone. Um, there are other famous people I have spent some lovely time with. You're not going to hear about. Right. because they they have children or they had wives or mm-hmm. it's none of your business exactly Absolutely. but like what i enjoy doing in bed is no one's business right. it's like people ask i've been asked that it's like why do you want to have a date with me is that why you're asking <laughs> if you do ask me out to dinner and you'll get the answer right. uh if you're asking because you're nosy Bye. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Um, so the last question I do got for you. No, um, not the last question. I know, oh. right? I had so much fun during this interview, though, and I did learn so much. Um, well, about, let, you know, it, let it go a little long. Hey, don't you guys want this? Yeah, they're <laughs> all telling me they want this to go longer. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything at all that you would like to promote to the listening viewing audience? Do you have social media accounts, websites, conv- you know, any appearances coming up, any performances you have coming up, any uh, books, um, you know, uh, anything at all? Well, isn't that a fascinating question? Uh, well, <laughs> I have no books coming out right now. Next mm-hmm. year, you're going to see the new Lucy book. Okay. You're going to see my memoirs mm-hmm. called The Devil Was Born in Brooklyn, which is copyrighted. You, if you right. steal it, I will sue you. <laughs> uh, you're going to see a book I'm writing with Wink Martindale and his wife, Sandy, coming out. Nice. You're going to see Jeffrey Mark sings the Ella Fitzgerald songbook, a CD coming out. That's next year. This okay. year, I would love for you to tune in every week to Jeffrey Mark plays Ella 
It's on radio stations. It's on the internet. And it's available as a podcast on every major platform. So that's, that's what's happening in the moment. I am tinkering with the idea of doing a talk show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And if I do that, I'll let you know. Uh, And I'll be promoting that when it happens. So the books and the radio show and the CD, but the radio show is what's happening right now. And uh, we'd like you to tune in. Absolutely. And definitely let me know when you have that talk show on YouTube as well. I'll definitely, definitely be a listener on that because I love hearing you talk. And I think you have a talk show alone would be so amazing. I think you have, you bring so many different uh, topics and categories and themes to that. And so many interesting perspectives um, about each topic that you were to talk about. And I mean, I I think it's amazing. You are a wise guy and you are a very talented, interesting guy. And I really like talking to you. And I definitely want to do this interview again as well. I'm, I'm a lucky guy. If you'll allow me a couple of extra minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Take the time you need. You know, God made me intelligent. Mm-hmm. I did nothing to deserve that. Right. I can't take a bow for being smart. Yeah. I would tell you what my IQ is, but I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> but it's, it's in the genius category. Nice. It's nice, except on its own, it means nothing. Right. God may be talented. Well, again, I can't take a bow for what I was born with. Mm-hmm. Anymore, I can take a bow for being a redhead. It's how I was born originally. Right. What, how I use these talents, I can take a bow for. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that I knew true love at 13. How many people can say that? Yeah. I had a relationship for over four decades. Okay, 47 years. Joel and I were together. It's a long, long time. Yeah. Um, we never lived together and he married women and I had other relationships away from him only because he wasn't available to me all the time. Right. So that's a unique perspective. Yeah. I know almost everybody in show business. Mm-hmm. So getting guests is easy. I know their histories. I know who they are as people. Mm -hmm. So I can have real, not interview conversations, but real conversation conversations. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I'm good at that. And I enjoy it. I I love show people. I I love talent. I love to be around talented people. Mm -hmm. I love to be around intelligent people. Those are the kinds of folks I try to surround myself with. Yeah. Another thing that's not a secret at all is that I'm 33 years clean and sober. Nice. So I have my, thank you. I have my drug years to look back on Mm -hmm. and all I've learned in sobriety all these years. Mm -hmm. And I I hope I take all of that and share that with audiences and friends and people Mm -hmm. who care. Yeah. I have a lot of friends. I have blessed their hearts. The sentence just, I have millions of fans. Yeah. Uh, the idea that millions and millions of people have either heard me sing or seen me on television or seen me in the movies or uh, have listened to my radio shows or read a book I've written or seen me because I'm on with nice people like you, mm-hmm. you sexy devil. 
Um, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that compliment. <laughs> I am, oh, if you live, if you live near me, we'd be having dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all that I have been given. Thank you. I, yeah. I live a life of gratitude and maybe that shows in how I come across. So I'm lucky. Yeah. It's absolutely. You, you've been given one life and you've taken the best, you know, the best of it. You've been making what you can out of your life and that's all anybody can do. Yep. And how you want to live it is how you decide to live it. You have one life, you make it into what you want to make it. If you want to make it into, you know, into a happy life or, or not so happy life, you get to happiness is a choice. Yeah. Happiness. Happiness does not happen to one. Mm -hmm. Happiness is, Oh, I'm going to choose to be happy here. Right. Just just like the word love. Love is not an emotion. Right. Oh, you can feel love. I'm not saying you can't, Mm -hmm. but love is a behavior. Yes, absolutely. Don't tell me you love me and then treat me like garbage. Yeah. If you don't tell me you love me, but you treat me lovingly, I know that you love. Yep. And that's, I always say that, like, it's nice to hear that you love me, but it's another thing when you show me how you love me, because if you show me that you love me, then I know you really love me. But if you are going to beat me or if you're going to call me names or if you're if when we get in an argument, you're going to say hurtful things, even if you don't mean it because you're angry at me. That's not love. I mean, I get emotion, you know, anger and emotions are a thing. But when you love somebody, you don't say something that is so hurtful to them and bring their past up against them. You know, you you have to show somebody how you love them. And arguments are healthy in a relationship. Because saying you're just talking about words also. I'm talking yeah. about, you know, does someone rub your shoulders when you're tired? Does right. someone understand you had a bad yeah. day? Yeah. Does someone cook a meal for you yeah. or arrange for a birthday special, something to happen for right. you or uh, on a random Wednesday in August, maybe you can get a, you, you have a, a bouquet of roses that were delivered to your job. And it's like, Oh, who gave me these? Oh, well, that's very nice. So I try, I, I'm not saying I succeed, mm-hmm. but I try really hard to be a blessing to anybody I happen to come across. Absolutely. Even as a guest on shows like this, yes, it's to promote me. And yes, it's because you asked, Yeah. but I want to be a blessing to you. Yeah. You know, I want to feel like I've blessed you in some way today yeah. and all the people who are watching and listening that they, they feel a little blessed too. Yeah. Uh, I kind of live for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I really do thank you for joining me. I had a blast and I'm sure everybody else had a blast. You know, you know, I'm still I'm not going to hold my breath, but I'm going to wait to see if my royalties come in from Sony. But uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I'll, at least maybe they'll give me a special uh, a special thanks to Slasher Scotty on the Peacock credits if I'm lucky. <laughs> I, 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 I hope you will not hold your breath for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I thank you so much. Because I, I don't think turning purple is your best color. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Thank I you thank for having you. me. Thank Absolutely. you for having me on here. And as I always say to everybody when I'm finished talking, okay. God bless and have a happy. Absolutely. You have a great rest of your day, Jeff. All right. Bye. <laughs>